Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. Glad you are with us today. And we are mid-July. I always find summertime is an interesting time to... I'm not, I'm not as productive work-wise typically in the summer as I am at other periods of time. I've never given it any thought. Well, it's because you're not very productive most of the year. <laughs> oh, God, might, maybe. No, it's always a good time to spend with uh, see some family and that sort of thing. But um, anyway, we are uh, here in the studio putting together a program here. Yes, and having a good time doing it. Looking forward to taking calls as we talk about financial matters because both myself and my co-host are both financial advisors. To join the program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. Um, or you can send us an email, questions at moneymatters.com. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking just as we're doing the open, how things have changed over the years, right? So we've been doing this program 28 years. And historically, it was it was just radio because podcasts didn't exist. Now we have more podcast listeners. But radio, there's a certain format, right? They, they, you're supposed to <laughs> you you give the little lead-in thing. You pitch a couple stories you're going to be talking about, stand-up teases or whatever. That's how it's all supposed to be. Uh, and then you think about a lot of these podcasts, like Joe Rogan was one of the pioneers of like a, a of a long format podcast. Yeah, with not any sort of time limit on it. There's no open, right? Yeah. It's, it's like half the time his guests don't even know the show started. They just flip on the record and start having a conversation. Yeah. There's no like, I'm Joe Rogan and I do this broad. It's, it's things have just changed quite a bit. Yes. So from now on, we're just going to start talking. <laughs> we're just like, hey. And well, we're gonna have a lot of MMA fighters on as the guests. Is that do you uh, listen to Joe Rogan? Uh, what are your favorite podcasts? I listen to Joe Rogan one out of twenty episodes. What, if what, I find if I find the 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 guest interesting, what is what are the podcasts you listen to on a regular basis? Like if you go back to the well, last some, five I'm days. not gonna say because I don't want to uh, make this uh, about anything political. Okay, so okay, we're gonna go. <laughs> All right, so you listen to the Q and on. I'm not this. Uh, Hidden Brain is one of my favorites. Uh, excellent, excellent. I'm thinking that something that doesn't have it. You know what I like, honestly, with Barry Weiss. She's very interesting. The, the podcast is called Honestly. Honestly, okay. I've never listened to it. Barry Weiss was a New York Times uh, columnist um, and has since moved on. She's Jewish. She's lesbian, and. Um, She's conservative, and she has a variety of topics, and I just find— It's called Honestly. Honestly. Uh, and she has great topics. I'm going to write that down. Uh, she has great topics, and I—it's I, 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 uh, funny, because I was listening to her the other day, and I thought, I think I'm trying to be a little diverse. On, I, I want to make sure that I'm not, like, in some echo chamber. Am I— we're going to have to get a new set of friends. <laughs> I think politically. <laughs> anyway, those are, and then I listen to. Do you listen uh, to 99% Invisible? I listen to Market Watch sometimes. What's 99% Invisible? It's the bizarre subjects about why things exist. It's no. uh, the Wall Street Journal? Uh, if the topics, I've got, it's on my feed there. Okay. Uh, and they've got one called Bad Bets, but they haven't done a new series yes, yet. Yes, correct, correct. They I like a couple the Bad Bets. And I also listen to. Um, uh, 
What's his name? Malcolm Gladwell. He's a revisionist history, about yeah. to come up with the new episodes in yeah. August. I'm hoping he's back to where he used to he's yes. in the early days. Yeah, I read all his <laughs> books. Um, yeah. yeah, I've read all his books, too. Yeah. It's, uh, anyway. All right. I don't know why we're having this conversation. Well, I was interested. I was interested. I asked. Yeah. To see. Wall Street Journal's got those 15-minute ones. I, lo- I listened to every one of You're them. You're kidding. Every one of them. Like I, they just did a three-part series on Marvel movies. I've never seen a Marvel movie. Um, yes, you have. Never, ever, never. I've never seen Star Wars. Me and three other people in That's the United States. That's not a Marvel movie. I, I, I'm not into okay. the sci-fi. <laughs> I'm not into sci-fi even a little. Um, Apparently not. Uh, I don't uh, like Marvel movies myself. I've never, I've never I've seen, seen one, one or two. But with my son, because I'm a loving father, and as a child, <laughs> I thought I would do the things that my son was interested in. That's just my how I approach the world. <laughs> you never watched a, like one of those stupid movies with your boys? No, because <laughs> apparently I'm not a loving father. Well, you had they had other brothers to watch them with. I Listen, I, I remember <laughs> when the kids were little. I got in trouble for this. I gave them walkie talkies. <laughs> they were like four and five. And you sent them in the movie theater? <laughs> and I went watch completely different <laughs> movie. Everyone's happy. If son, if there's a problem, push this button and talk to me. before cell phones. And I gave them a walkie talkie. <laughs> and then we tested it. Oh, oh, so hilarious. I was in the other, you know, they have the multiplex where there's like eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. sitting in the other one. And so we get home. My wife's like, how was the movie? And the kids start talking about it. And <laughs> nothing to yeah, add. Moms and, don't like those sort of behaviors. And then they said, well, dad didn't see it. Mom he, just figures the kids are going to get abducted or something as dad's not close. They were like five, six. There's, look, quite frankly, there's a 50% chance they could have ended up in a better home. <laughs> well, probably greater than that, but. All right, let's we go, better to, go to the radio calls, show. We were way off topic, but um, we're enjoying ourselves. Anyway, let's go to Colorado and talk with Anita. Anita, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi. Hi, Anita. Yeah, so my question has to do with um, paying extra payments on our monthly mortgage. Okay. And um, to whittle down the, you know, the principal. Yep. All right. And so my question is, I know this is a good thing. Um, but is it always a good thing, um, say, for instance, in very heavy financial situations where you have children in college, a wedding in the family, um, you know, multiple things going on? Well, and so, it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not always a good thing, by the way. It's not always no. a good thing. In fact, okay, it, it, I can make the argument now for a large percentage of the people that have mortgages that they should pay as little as possible because the cost of money is actually lower than what they could yield uh, in a like-kind risk investment. So how much do you – how old, old are you? Um, 53. And how much do you owe on the home? Okay, so we we had our house paid off when we were living at our last location, and we moved um, two years ago. So we bought a house, and the cost of living was much higher here. So um, our mortgage at the beginning was at four twenty five, which I know is very high. <laughs> um, but did we you, have paid did, it down you, now to three ninety. When you, when you so. sold your okay, when you sold your house, 
Did you roll over all of the proceeds, or did you take some and do other things? Uh, no, we rolled over okay. the whole thing. And yeah. did you yeah. move? Were you in Colorado before, or just moved to a completely different area? No, we were in Illinois. Ah, which okay. The cost of housing went down there a little bit. Yeah. We still made more off our house than we paid for it, but um, yeah. And then and housing here is almost crazy. twice yeah. what it was there. And what's yeah, and so. is your spouse uh, the same age? Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. And what what's the interest rate on the mortgage? Um, we did get a great interest rate. It's at 3.25. And how much money do you have in the bank? Oh, you know what? I honestly can't like tell you that. 50,000, right 10,000, 400,000? I would say we're probably around like 20. Okay. And do you have money saved for retirement? We do, yes. I don't think you should be paying down this mortgage at all. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think you should probably die with this mortgage. In this current okay. economic environment, assuming this is an one large assumption. This is. I'm making this assumption. That the okay. money that you would have applied to the mortgage gets saved and invested. And not spent. Okay. And not spent. Right, right. Because okay. I can go, you could go right now and buy six-month treasuries. So we're talking like kind risk. You could buy six months treasuries as of close of market when I look at it. Whatever. Yesterday that yield five and a half percent. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right? So right. you can make the argument that in fact you should not pay anything down there and the difference you would actually put in until the point when interest rates are lower. At which point we could have a different conversation. And that would be with no. That would be with no risk whatsoever. If it yeah. in your, it's put it in a high end, high yield and savings account. As an example. That's right. You could buy a high yield savings account, FDIC insured, same risk simple. as paying down the mortgage. Simple, not complex. But the challenge that Anita has is not. It's that she's paying extra, and she have kids. How old are your kids? Uh, well, we have four of them, so we have. Um, we had two in college. One now graduated, but she's getting married next year. And then we have um, two other children um, in private Christian education that we're paying tuition for as well. So, um, and what's your yeah. family income? Um, One hundred forty thousand. Well, I mean, here's the, the decision you've made, whether you've realized this or not, which is not necessarily a bad decision, <laughs> is that you are these years that other people in their fifties might be hunkering down, saving for retirement so they can retire a little younger, or at least have that ability. You are using those dollars to help your kids get launched in life in the way that you think's best for them. Right. So that both private education for um, your high schoolers and then these, the college and, and that's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're wide eyed about that and realize that it's kind of your job, not to put your kids in private school. No, oh, to, to to raise good children is kind of your. It's kind of your. It's well. It's, hopefully, you take that responsibility seriously when you have kids. Many people don't, which is okay, well, why we have issues. But <laughs> but that is kind of and and no, most certainly there is a added expense to send the kids to private Christian school. Yes, but but as long as you go, what do you have saved for retirement? Um, you know, I don't actually know okay. that my husband. What, yeah. What's your house worth? Um, it's worth seven twenty-five. And 
you have no idea what you're gonna where you're gonna be long term because it's probably dependent on where your kids are gonna be long term. Yeah. So I don't don't pay. So your question was, should we pay down the mortgage? And the answer is absolutely not. Okay. No, I okay. wouldn't. No, 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 I wouldn't recommend paying down. Now, and had you called us two years ago, we might have a different answer. But then the equivalent investments were paying zero. I mean, the one, but the, the, I mean, we have no idea what you have saved for retirement. So if you have nothing saved for retirement, then we're a little concerned. What happens if one of you has a health issue and cannot work and have been forced to retire? Um, Correct. But yes. you should have some uh, uh, term life insurance on each other, you and your husband. Yes, we do. Like, yeah. yeah. Least... And I know he has a good retirement fund. Okay. Um, he's been working at the same company for over 20 years. Okay. So um, I just don't know what that number is because I don't really pay attention. Okay. <laughs> so... right. well, but the answer to your question is do not pay down the mortgage. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be hurt for you. To, it wouldn't be a bad idea to do some retirement projections to see just where you're going to be 10 In years 10 years. Out. Um, on the current right, path you're at, right. just to make sure. I, I, again, I have no idea what you're saving, but but listen, in a, in an ideal world, you get to retirement with your home paid off, regardless of what interest rates are. Um, you're changing your tune. And <laughs> I appreciate the call. Oh. You're changing your your tune on this. Well, I had this conversation with a friend of mine this week. Was it a friend? My brother. He could be both. <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> um. But if you can't get to retirement, yes, then stretch you, it out as long as, long as you can, right? So that it's a cash flow. I can't issue. tell you how many times over but, the years as a financial advisor, someone you're in retirement, I said, "Look, you're 65. You're gonna right now. You're working to get your house paid off when you're 74. What for? Like, you don't even know if you're gonna be alive at 74. Right? That's right. I mean, let's let's, let's, re- let's focus on cash flow and retirement, but, particularly in your younger years but of retirement. You do want to try to get your house paid off by the time you retire. But if in you a, Perfect in a perfect situation because yes. money not going out is exactly the same as money coming in. But we're in a unique environment now where we went through a period of ultra low interest rates where mortgages were almost free. I mean, that's what it felt like. It's super low interest rates. Right. And now you can get high interest rates on. And matter of fact, the highest interest rates are short term money, not even long term money. So. Yeah, it's a, a negative yield curve. So instead of paying extra on your mortgage, you'd be much better off saying, I'm just going to take those dollars. Instead of paying down my 2.75% interest rate mortgage, I'm going to put it in this 5% savings account. And at the time when that 5% savings account is now is paying less than 2.75, then I'll take that cash and throw it against the mortgage. Exactly. Yeah, I did have a question for you. I, Being I, a little rude I, I was thinking about basically. this um, on my drive-in. What did you think about the inflation numbers? Did you believe them? Yeah, it came out a week or so ago. At yeah, three percent or yeah. Well, the markets seem to believe them. Markets, the markets did. I had a hard time with it. What do you mean? I just I'm not seeing it. I think inflation's higher than that, but it's what they include and exclude that that, that yeah, drives the whole it. CPI numbers. And I do live in California, so. Well, gas tax, you know, realize that gas taxes increased another 3% on July 1st in yeah. California, and the voters wrote proved that. Yeah. But, um, don't get me started. I think you had touched your mic off by actually. Yeah, don't get me started. About the structure of California? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, never mind. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can see the look at <laughs> <in> his face. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk to Craig. Craig, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Uh, yes, just a quick question. Um, I 
When my daughter was born, I started a 529 plan and uh, did it as long as I had my that current job that I had when, there. And it's more than doubled uh, since then, but uh, after this gap year, which seems to have turned into a permanent gap uh, after high school, and she has current no in, uh, inclination to keep going to school, how long can that 529 plan hold, or is there an age <laughs> limit on that? Yeah. Well, there um, there's two answers here. One is they just passed uh, legislation uh, – was it in this last Yeah, recently, bill, last few months. That allows you to convert for, not the owner, but the, um, the beneficiary, your daughter, into a Roth IRA. Uh, but I don't think they've written, it, it, it hasn't started yet. It, it, they, yeah, I think you're right. It's going to get phased in in the next year. Yeah, it's supposed to be phased in in the next year or two. And be- but but as setting that aside, you can hold this indefinitely. Correct. That's what you I was going to say. You can wait, and if she never goes to, to college and you've got a grandkid, you can change the beneficiary to the grandkid. I have money in 529 uh, for uh, a couple of my kids that are graduated from college, um, and we're not doing anything with them. We're just keeping them invested the way they're invested, and I have no idea whether I'm going to turn them over to grandkids or nephews or convert to a Roth IRA or whatever, I, but I don't worry about it at all. Okay, so I don't have to, I mean, you can just stay indefinitely, and then if she has kids, you can go to her kids. That's or right. Her cousins, I guess. Yep, yeah, or, yep. or, or, you know, we watch to see what this legislation, it's passed, but they haven't written how it's actually done yet. You can convert it to her Roth IRA at some point in time, but we don't know how to do that as of yet because it hasn't actually, they just passed it in the legislation, but they haven't written the rules around it. Okay, so, and then... Because between that and then I, I had the post-11 uh, GI Bill, and I think there's a time limit on that that she has to go to school by, but I guess she checked with the VA for that thing. That, I wouldn't even know where to begin there. And how long's the gap year turned into? Um, well, we're going on two. Okay. Is she having fun? Uh, she says she is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wor- I worry about her, but she doesn't. <laughs> and you have you have uh, other kids, or is she your only child? No, she she's my only child. You, you know, um, it, I wouldn't. I'd actually, I wouldn't touch that thing for five or six years, even if I could, yeah, I would, yeah. because she may change her mind. It took me six years to get a bachelor's degree, and it, it did me as well, right? And quite frankly, I had a blast, um, and it's turned out okay. <laughs> right. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, the GI Bill is something completely different. But even even then, I you're not going to force how much to go is to in college. This, how much is in the five twenty nine? Well, I put twenty thousand. It's up That's to 40. eighty now. Perfect. Oh, more than double. You said it doubled. More than yeah, double. it's quadruple. Yeah, yeah, just but, leave it alone. Just all right. Just, well, thank you yeah. very much. I was just getting worried, like. How long can this keep going? Indefinitely. And so, it's, it's a nice tax-deferred account right now. Yes. And by the way, for, for the rest of us listening, like this is the power of long-term compounding, right? 20000 went to 80000 through. And what year, when did you put this in? Do you recall, Craig? Um, I started when she was born. She was born in 2003, and I stopped investing in 2011. 
Eight so years. through the great financial crisis. Yep, eight, I just kept. Yeah. You I put, said, "What the heck?" You know, keep keep putting it in there. She's not graduated yet. That was yeah, two hundred dollars, so, about two hundred dollars a month, is what you put in yeah, for eight years. Uh, three hundred. Okay. So, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Let, 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 leaving it alone and letting the markets do what the markets are going to do, and they always recover and go back to new highs. So, anyway, appreciate the call, Craig. I know you've been following this, some of this crypto stuff. Oh, more closely than I have. I, was a late. I got after the whole FTX thing, which I was fascinated with for a while. That Sam Bankman Freed or whatever is SBF. Strange dude. Does anyone call him SBF anymore? And no, they call. They call him, they assume they're going to call him convicted. <laughs> a convict. <laughs> um, yeah, so y- y- what's going on in the crypto? And if you've listened to our show at any period of time, we have been saying this for years. This thing will come to a screeching halt once it's regulated. Once the regulators. That's what we're seeing. And call for, this secu- they call it a security. They call it a security. It is traded. Um, it's what's backing it. Is, well, they said that these. I mean, these companies said they're not actual securities. So therefore, we we're exempt from securities laws. That's what their argument was. And their securities laws go back, really, back to 1933. Is and and there's rules from 1933 that are still in place today, 90 years later. Yes. In fact. Right? Is in our industry, I have to take ongoing education. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're citing the rule of 1941, <laughs> uh, the Securities Exchange Act of 1940, I think, wasn't it? The 40 uh, Act. Uh, it was the 40 Act. <laughs> Created yeah. the mutual fund. Whatever. Anyway, so a lot of old regulations. So the, these people in by these crypto companies, eh, this doesn't really apply to us. It's not a, it's a, it doesn't apply to us. It's not a security. And there's two regulators that have been arguing. Um, over who should be regulating it. The Securities Exchange Commission and the Commodities Future Trading Commission. Um, The crypto people want the Commodity Futures Trading Commission to actually regulate them because they have more lax regulation than the Securities (laughs) Exchange Commission. Right? They're saying, hey, if we're going to be looked at by anyone, we'd prefer it to be you guys because you're a little softer. But the SEC has seemed seems to be winning this battle and saying, no, no, this is a security. It's traded on an exchange. Whether you call it an exchange or not an exchange, it's an exchange. Um, and these, you know, these crypto coins come and go like night and day. I mean, well, there was um, your neighbor had one, didn't he? Yeah. Are we allowed to talk about it? I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, he approached me like three years ago on this thing. And first of all, I had no background in any of this stuff. And he, I said, look, I don't care how great it is or not great. Like, I, I, I'm a financial advisor. I have a fiduciary responsibility to my clients, to our, like, this is not an area I'm going to dabble in, even if it's just, I'm not going to dabble in. Not, I don't care not, what the upside not is. Not with your money and not, certainly Clearly not with, not with client. any client's money. Yeah. Yes, And it, it went from nothing to up quite a bit back to below nothing. Yes. So, um, again, the reason we bring this up, we see this come 
and go all the time is the hot new. Well, what's happening now is the regulators are going after some of these founders and, and operators. They're suing them. And arresting. There was a guy a couple, what, a week and a half or so ago, a couple weeks, um, um, Celsius. Yeah, uh, Alex Mashinsky. CEO of uh, Celsius. They lent crypto. They arrested him, and then they he got sued for the Securities Exchange Commission, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and the Federal Trade Commission. They all ganged up on him, filed suit. Finally, but and I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just completely innocent, and everything they did was up and up. But but um, <laughs> this too, um, it just anytime something hot, shiny. Celsius held more than thirteen billion of investors' crypto balances. Isn't that crazy? That you would give your money to, to, to uh, that you would just say, oh, eh, this looks good. I'm just going to put my money here. <laughs> he seems like a nice enough guy. <laughs> With no background, no deduction. Nothing. What protections are there in place? Nothing. What happens if you go, look, things are structured. Would you put should, 100, all, should would, Allworth go bankrupt? Our clients' assets are all held separately and are all fine. That's right. Doesn't, it's irrelevant what happens to yeah. these, these things were instructed. None, none, uh, he seems like a nice enough guy. I'll put man, I have a million bucks in there. He's like a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's the whole crypto thing. Yeah. You don't hear people talking about it quite so much anymore, though, do you? Yes, which is a good thing. And you don't hear about special purpose acquisition companies Except either. the ones that are going bankrupt. Oh, watch. <laughs> it continues. <laughs> anyway, we're, gonna, uh, we're taking a quick break. And if, when we come back, uh, we'll take some more calls. And um, yeah, anyway, this is All Worth Money Matters. Can't get enough of All Worth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to All Worth Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. Hey, before we uh, continue on here, I want to let, let you all know that we are we t- our calls that you hear from our callers. It's not happening live because we're not in the studio at 10 a.m. on Pacific on Saturdays when this broadcast and radio. Because um, we record them during the week. Yes, and so periodically we'll have a time we'll come in the studio just for a couple hours with nothing but the intent of taking calls. And so if you'd like to... And some of them actually get on the air and some don't. Most get on the air. 90% of them get on the air. That's... They'd be totally transparent. We we screen... If, you're, if your situation sounds like totally uninterested to most people, yeah, we're probably not going to take your call. Yeah. I'm or just, if it doesn't apply, if it applies to 0.0003% of the population. Unless it's a super interesting story. To us. <laughs> Correct. We're the ones who decide. Uh, actually, we have a producer to decide. But anyway, so we're, we're going to be in the studio for two hours, Thursday, August the 3rd. Thursday, August the 3rd, from 3 to 5 Pacific. We'll be sitting in the studio. Okay, so Thursday, the August 3rd, 3 to 5 Pacific. And if you'd like to schedule a time to uh, ask your question, you can do it one or two ways. Send us an email at questions at moneymatters.com, questions at moneymatters.com. Or you can call 833-99-WORTH. At any time. At any time. Yeah. So, hey, we're going to talk now a Money Matters client story. And um, we've, got, we've got roughly 100 advisors in different parts of the country. Um, we've got thousands of clients that we've served over the years and we continue to serve. Um, all kinds of different unique situations we've handled with over the years. 
and uh, recently had an interaction with a California couple that we wanted to uh, chat about. And so we've uh, asked our advisor out of the San Francisco Bay Area to join us, Chris Giordano. Yeah. And by the way, this couple has was not compensated in any way for the story we're about to tell. I think that's like a legal requirement we have to say. There's no compensation. Why and by we, the way, just why, to be clear, we're not going to compensate our clients for any stories. So. Why would we pay them? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, Chris, w- welcome to All Worth Money Matters. Hi. Good morning. How hey, are you? Good. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. Thank you. And Chris, you are in our um, Los Gatos office, right? That's correct. And yeah. Los Gatos is a, a great looking, great little town in Silicon Valley, the southern part of Silicon Valley. Is that what you would call it? Yeah, I think yeah. that's exactly okay. what I would right. call yeah. it. Just uh, over the hill yeah. from Santa Cruz. That's right. But uh-huh. it's a, it's a, it's the Bay Area is a big place. A lot of towns kind of blend into with one another. Los Gatos has very much its own kind of town feel. And when, uh, so Chris is a partner with Allworth. And when I first met Chris, I felt like I, he was like almost like the mayor of the town. Cause you're like third generation of Los Gatos. Are you not? Well, I think technically I'm second generation. My okay. grandparents immigrated here from Italy. So yeah, I think that's second, right? And, and were they farmers? Uh, well, not exactly. Uh, my grandfather we got was the, the story gardener. all wrong. <laughs> not <laughs> Italian, actually. From, it wasn't me. It was my cousin. So what no, did they do? No, no, what, no. what did they do yeah, when yeah. they immigrated from Italy? Yeah. So my grandfather came here uh, under sort of uh, servitude in a way that he had to work off. And he was a gardener here in the town for many years. And then he started a business where he would uh, sell fruits and vegetables door to door out of, a, you know, an old truck that he had. And he just worked his way up and became very successful as an immigrant. Wow. And what did your to, to, to continue the story? And then what did your uh, your your mother and father, did they work in Los Gatos as well? Yeah, my entire family is here in this town. Um, uh, I've got a big extended Italian family and. Everybody lives here. We're very close. We do a lot together. My father was the oldest of three brothers. He was the first one to go to college, and he was a commercial claims adjuster for Allstate Insurance for uh, his career. Well, that's um, what <laughs> I just found. It, I just Chris got a really interesting story, and it's if you've ever been to Los Gatos, it's just a really cute, uh, self kind of self contained town in. So, but we, that's we, not why we invited we Chris, him, but I, we, we are interested, but uh, right. you had a client story you wanted to share with us. Well, I do. So uh, you alluded to the fact that we're technically we're in Silicon Valley, which is, uh, you know, a part of the Bay area that a lot of tech innovation happens. And a lot of the, the tech companies that everybody is familiar with are, are located here. Um, so we have a lot of clients who have who have done very very well with some of these stocks uh, Apple Google yeah. Facebook you know all all the stuff that everybody knows and uh, I wanted to share a story about one of my clients their name is Glenn and Yolanda they are terrific clients they've been clients of mine for quite a while but Yolanda worked at Apple for many many years and accumulated a significant amount of Apple stock and she accumulated so much that it ended up representing over half of their liquid net worth, which as, as you know, as advisors, you know, we, 
we look at that and think about that as a concentrated position that that has its own sort of element of risk. You've got too too much money in one single stock. Regardless of how um, well it has done, um, but it makes it even more difficult because psychologically, the better it is done, the harder it is to get rid of. Well, right. So, you know, the challenge for us, I think, is as advisors, we want to give prudent advice. And, and that prudent advice is to diversify a concentrated position because of, of the risk that it represents. At, at the same time, for me personally, it's always a, a, a little bit of a slippery slope to recommend to somebody that they, that they trim a position like that and then that investment just keeps doing better and better and better. <laughs> yes, right. And, you know, <laughs> and, so. and then you're wrong. Well, right. Mm. Now, fortunately for Glenn and Yolanda, they had the right stock. I mean, Apple has just been a terrific stock for a long time, and, and it continues to be a terrific stock. But I have other clients who, who owned significant amounts of Snowflake or Facebook or Google or Amazon or PayPal. And, you know, the story is different with many of those companies. They have not played out the same way as Apple. So, so there is definitely some validity to, to being prudent and, and not having a concentrated position. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so, so what happened was Glenn and Yolanda got to the point where they, they were in growth mode. You know, they were working and they were still accumulating assets and, and planning for retirement. We've done lots and lots of financial planning for them, lots of cash flow modeling, and um, it got to the point where they retired and transitioned from this what I call growth mode to a more of a an income mode or a protection mode or just just a different phase in their life where they they were ready to trim some of the apple. Okay. Um, and, and diversify it. It's probably and, and people hit those positions in life where at this point it's their their number one concern is about not going backwards, not they're more concerned about not being poor. Yeah, than about being wealthier. Yeah, I think that's exactly correct. I mean, they have plenty of money. They're financially they're going to be comfortable for the rest of their lives. And then some. Um, but exactly. There's just this emotional attachment to to a stock like this that has has been so good to them um, for so many years. So how did you trim but that they, position? Well, um, it, so that's a great question. We were able to uh, go into one of the IRAs that Yolanda has, which had a significant amount of Apple, and essentially sell it off. Yeah, no And no cut tax. their overall position um, by half. We trimmed it down to a third. And then we took that money in the IRA and diversified it into a completely different strategy that was an income generating strategy uh, so that they have this this passive income that they can use in the future um, coming off this account if they choose to. And so did you have money uh, outside the IRAs in this Apple stock as well? That's correct. So So even after trimming, there was still about a third of their liquid net worth in Apple. And what's happened this year, because Apple's done so well, is that third has now grown to roughly 40%. So we still have this issue where they have too much. 
and we'll have to trim some more in the future. And will you do that in the brokerage account or the money outside the IRA? Is there anything left inside the IRA? And, and tell us why you chose the IRA to trim the position versus money outside the IRA in the Apple. Well, yeah. So again, as I mentioned, there's, there's some emotional attachment to the stock. But getting past that, the IRA is really, it was the best place to go to sell Apple because there's no tax consequence of, of selling the Apple in an IRA. The Apple that's held outside of the IRA is going to have capital gains uh, associated with it. And there's, there's a tax element. So it just made sense to start with the IRA money. That was the kind of the path of least resistance, if you will. And under current tax law, there's so much benefit of actually doing that because there's three things. One, at death, it gets a step up in basis and the tax is completely wiped away. For money outside of retirement accounts. Outside of retirement accounts. The other is it's the perfect asset to give to a charity if you're so or inclined. Or a child. Sometimes. Or a child. And that was the third. Or is, or a child. Um, assuming yep. that they're in a different tax situation, a lower tax situation. Um so mm-hmm. it's the placement of the asset is every bit as important as the asset itself. Correct? Well, well, correct. That's exactly correct. We 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 want to be thoughtful about our advice and um be, you know it it certainly made sense to start with the IRA. It was it was a no-brainer. Um and and now now we will gradually go back to the non-IRA money, the Apple and and work work to to reduce that position going forward um, gradually over time. Yeah. And there will be a time, look, there will be a time when Apple is not a leader in the marketplace. None of us can see it now, but no companies last forever. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's, That's yeah. True. We can't see it though. You can't see it, but it, no. It, no companies last forever. Yes. Think of big brand names years ago that don't exist. Yeah. Anymore. Montgomery Wards. Well, yeah. <laughs> but like I said earlier, it's always tough to, you know, to be the guy, right? Hey, here's what I'm recommending you do. And it, it's the right thing. But uh, if the particular stock continues to go up and up, it can be a little bit bittersweet to, oh, to be recommending to a client that they get out of it. That's yeah. right. That's that That is right. And so as long as you, you know, when that doesn't mean you, uh, you, sh- sh- you have you, to, you have to face it head on with a client, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, Hey, I could be wrong here, but we're not doing it. Because we think we have a position on whether we think the stock's going to do good or poorly. It's because the risk associated with this at your stage in life isn't worth taking. Right. And you mentioned Snowflake, right? Mm-hmm. What yeah. a great yeah. example. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly it. Scott. What is Snowflake? It was a, uh, was a high flying stock for a relatively short period of time. That's right. It went crazy and then it completely fell apart. For a relatively um, short period of time, it was the yeah. stock. I mean, it was so short that you can't even – you're in the industry and you can't even remember. <laughs> what did they no, do? It's still, it's, it, it still exists. It's still a very good company. It just got you know way ahead of itself. The stock um, price. Yeah, the stock price. Yeah, what, is, what, does, it, what does Snowflake do? Was it a, a server form, something like that? What, what did they do? Or what do yeah, they do? Yeah, we call it storage. Okay, there we, we go. Call it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, thanks for, thanks for taking some time to be with us. Appreciate you. You're welcome. Thanks for Have being part day. of the team. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you find yourself in uh, Los Gatos, go pay a, a, a friendly visit to Chris because he's a he's, he's, yeah. Uh, it's like it's he's the unofficial mayor. 
Well, there's like, a bunch of them now. There's Giordano's and there's firefighters and police officers. Like, you can't, if you live in the town, I don't think you could yeah, escape. Yeah, you a can't. Giordano. You're like, do you know Giordano? And you're like, which one? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. No, all right. Um, all right. But it is interesting that it's when, when someone works for a company whose stock has done well, it is a, it can be a real challenge to get them to. Diversify and look. When you're young and still in accumulation mode, you can afford to take those risks. Scott, do you remember 25, 30 years ago? We we used to work with, still work with a lot of people that retired from the phone company Pacific Bell, and then turned into AT and T, and then SBC, um, where they had all this AirTouch stock. Do you remember yeah, this? Yeah, thing? and it, the thing went wild for a period of time. Then it became Vodafone. And then it fell by 95%. Do you remember this? I don't remember if 95% decline in value on that particular company. Um, I might be mistaken, but there was- There were plenty of companies that, like, that fell by 90 One of the benefits of being in this industry a long time is you've personally lived through a lot of these ups and downs, and you've had clients who've argued with you about certain things. Actually, I don't argue a long time, but I'm trying- Look, no. part of it, a good advisor is going- it, they're going to work on their communication skills to try to get you to do the right thing. That's right. And I would say, look, we know that this is a concentrated position. We know that there's a, a too much risk here for your portfolio. Let's sell half of it, and then we're both right. That's often a good place to go. Because if you do half, it goes then, up, like, well, well, I'm glad I kept half. If it goes down, I'm glad I sold half. You're <laughs> right? right in the middle. We're both right. And we're talking with Pete. Pete, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, guys. Uh, I love your show. I actually plan my Saturdays just to be able to listen to your shows. Well, that is both very complimentary and a little bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, need to guide, you guys need to do a two-hour show. We used to, actually. <laughs> yeah, we barely held our attention for the hour. <laughs> we even tried three hours once, remember? <laughs> really? We lasted like four weeks. Uh, anyway, what can we do to help? Okay. Uh, my question is, are exchange-traded REITs and preferred stock dividends treated as qualified dividends for tax purposes? <laughs> We're both, uh, REITs would not be because they're pass-through entities. There's no okay. double taxation on REIT dividends. And preferred. Preferreds, I would think they're taxed. Well, we can, that's an easy one up. to kind of look up. But um, Yeah, so the REITs are a no. REITs are no because they they don't they're not a REIT doesn't have to pay taxes as a REIT as long as it distributes ninety like ninety some odd percent seven percent of its income. Right. Um, but we'll look up the other one because I'm sure I knew the answer one day. We did. You're young. <laughs> but the reason I'm asking because I'm an old guy and I just want to. Stay educated on this stuff. Got it. Are are you are you in these funds now? No. And you're thinking of going in? Possibly. Um and and why? Uh for tax purposes, the wife is gonna retire next year. I'm trying to tell her to hold it off, but okay. uh, but uh we'll be if we could get under the 
the 12% tax brackets and it's a qualified dividend. Yeah, most most I, most um preferred dividends are qualified dividends. Okay. Most. And uh, do you have money in uh do you have money in IRAs or I know you didn't call for that question, but when you mentioned that 12% getting the income under 12%, do you have money in IRAs? Uh the wife does. How much does she have? Uh roughly Three hundred and seventy-five thousand. Okay, and uh, what will your income in retirement be? Uh, right now, I'm retired, and between Social Security and pensions, I get about uh, fifty-five grand a year. She's still working; she makes about sixty-five grand a year. But when she retires, also have the Social Security. Okay. All right. I was just thinking whether uh, uh, Roth conversions would make sense or not, but it's not not going to make any difference at all. But no, nope. That, that is the answer to your question. Most preferreds do qualify, and the REITs do not. Yeah. Appreciate the call, Pete. We are uh, we are just about out of time, and it's always great being with you uh, as usual. Hey, by the way, if you find this podcast helpful, useful, entertaining, whatever. Um, a couple things. One, share it with a friend. Like forward this on to a friend. Say, hey, give these guys a shot. They're pretty good. And second, wherever you, you get the podcast, whether it's through Apple or somewhere else, go give us a review if you would. And, uh, be, that would be kind of you. It would help us. It might help us, but we'd appreciate it. Anyway, we're out of time. Um, we broadcast the same place every week. We'll see you next week. This has been All Worth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.